This is 680-CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, the Couch Potatoes celebrate the debut of Planet Earth 2. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. It's Oscar weekend. We'll give you our 100% guaranteed you can't lose place your bets. It's a lock <laughs> picks. <laughs> I will also tell you why I recently said goodbye to seven TV shows. Seven! First, it's the news. From the couch. They call it the Death Star, but they have no idea there's a way to defeat it. We have a release date and details on the home versions of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. First on Digital HD on March 24th, then Blu-ray, DVD, and On Demand on April 4th. The power that we are dealing with here is immeasurable. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Rogue One is the first of what will be many standalone films for Star Wars, which include the upcoming Han Solo movie. Announced this week, it is being released May 25th, 2018, 41 years to the day after the first Star Wars. Many were skeptical about these standalone films, including me. But Rogue One was the biggest movie of the year in North America, with $528 million, the seventh biggest movie of all time. With good reason, it was really good, and I'm sure that success is a relief to the director, Gareth Edwards. Pressure's so high, like we're making a film that's right touching my favorite movie of all time. But then if you're too respectful of it, that you dare not do anything new or different, take a risk, then what are you bringing to the table? This home release comes with a ton of bonus features, including one called A Rogue Idea. Hear how ILM's John Knoll came up with the movie's concept and why it's the right film to launch the Star Wars standalone films. In case you did not see Rogue One and aren't sure what it's about, it takes place immediately before the original movie and follows the team of rebels that steals the Imperial plans for the Death Star. So once again, Rogue One comes home for purchase on Digital HD March 24th, Blu-ray, DVD, and On Demand April 4th. There's always one second when an old lady falls down where no one's helping her yet. It's like a little hesitation when we're looking at each other. It's like a game of decency chicken where you're not sure it has to be you. You're kind of hoping you can go, oh, oh, good job, buddy. All right, he got it. Comedian Louis C.K. is the latest big-time comic to strike a deal with Netflix. Louis one of the all-time greats, and having just turned 40 this past year, I found an old routine of his that really spoke to me. I mean, I'm, I'm 40 now, and that's, you know, I mean, I'm 40. I'm half dead, basically. 40, 40's a weird age. You get to this point where, like, you're not old enough for anybody to give a shit. 
year old nobody's like i helped a 40 year old guy today and it felt really good to do something for him nobody spends their holidays delivering hot meals to 40 year olds and you're not young enough for anybody to ever be proud of you or impressed they're just like yeah do your job nobody cares that's what you're supposed to do Louis will have a pair of specials coming to Netflix, including one very shortly. It's called 2017 and plops on the streaming service April 4th. Details of the second special he's agreed to give them have not been released. I went to the doctor because my ankle hurt, right? Now, if you're 20 and you have a bad shoulder, the doctor will reconstruct your shoulder through miracles of modern science. But when you're 40, they just give you no options. They don't care. He brings me and he shows me an x-ray in my ankle. He's like, yeah, your ankle's just... Uh just worn out. He's like, what do you mean, I injured my ankle? He's like, no, it's just sh now. No word on how much Louis C.K. is getting from Netflix, which has now recently struck deals for new stand-up specials with Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld, in addition to other big names like Amy Schumer and Dave Chappelle. Again, the first of two Louis C.K. specials will land on Netflix April 4th. And he goes, well, there's things you can do. You can stretch. Uh, for a half hour a day, you should stretch your ankle. <laughs> like, how long will that take to fix it? He's like, no, you just do that now. That's just a new thing you do until you and your ankle both die. There was a cleaver in the man's head, which Noreen said was you. You take care of this butcher. He doesn't live through the night. These boys aren't gonna rest until you're dead, son. Ed home? Ed who? After 15 long months since the last season of Fargo, we now know that the next season is finally just around the corner. FX announcing this week season three of the crime drama comedy based on the Coen Brothers movie will premiere April 19th. Is he listening to me? Cut off his ears. Fargo is an anthology series. Each season is its entirely own story with all new characters, sort of. Season 2 was set a generation before season 1, so while there was one character who appeared in both seasons, he was played each time by a different actor. And the first season also had a very small connection to the movie. Plus, there are all sorts of other little Easter eggs pointing to the Coen Brothers cinematic universe. You just gotta keep your eyes open for them. No word on what sort of connection the past seasons or movie will have to the upcoming season. But we do know a few things about season Season 3, for one thing, it stars Ewan McGregor. Master Yoda, I gave Qui-Gon my word. I will train Anakin. <coughs> Without the approval of the Council, if I must. What was Yoda doing there? Whatever. He apparently plays brothers in the show, but not twin brothers. Season 3 will also star Carrie Coon, who will also return in April on the HBO show The Leftovers, my other favorite show, so she's basically my hero right now. Again, Fargo returns to FX April 19th. Had some differences with your oldest boy yesterday. How'd that go for you? Uh, let's call it a draw. You were supposed to kill my dad, not the old cripple. The boy's there? I don't need looking after. Maybe under control was the wrong phrase. You got two days, and I'm sending the undertaker. Thank you, sir. Listen to me. I need you to do as I tell you. I need to get you and the boy away from here. Away from here. 
Did you see everything you needed to see? I saw enough. The newest trailer has arrived this week for King Arthur Legend of the Sword, which stars Charlie Hunnam of Sons of Anarchy fame and is directed by Guy Ritchie of having been married to Madonna fame. Much like his Sherlock Holmes movies, Ritchie looks to put more of an action spin on a classic tale. Why is the water dropped? Why does the sword reveal itself now? As your power increases, so too do the forces that will oppose you. The born king will come. It is inevitable. This film features Arthur as an outlaw exile of sorts, where he eventually comes back and claims his birthright by visiting a certain sword and a certain stone. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, opens May 12th. You wanted the prophecy. This is your prophecy. The man who pulled sword from stone. Behold, your born king. I thought I told you to trim those sideburns! Go home! You're off the team! For good! Fine. I still like him better than Steinbrenner. <laughs> Classic clip. Homer Simpson is getting one of the most prestigious awards on the planet, and it's one you wouldn't even think he's eligible for. Homer's being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Seriously. A special ceremony will be held at the end of May, celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Homer at the Bat episode, a.k.a. the softball one with all the major leaguers, and, of course, the song. Well, Mr. Burns had done it, the power plant had won it, with Roger Clemens clucking all the while. Mike Sosha's tragic illness made us smile. While Wade Boggs lay unconscious on the barroom tile, we're talking softball. The ceremony will also feature a roundtable discussion with some Simpsons staff and Hall of Famers Wade Boggs and Ozzie Smith. We're talking softball from Maine to San Diego, talking softball. Mattingly and Canseco, Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Steve Sachs and his running with the law. We're talking Homer, Ozzie and the Straw. That is the news from the couch. Up next, we're going to talk Planet Earth 2. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. A snake's eyes aren't very good, but they can detect movement. So if the hatchling keeps its nerve, it may just avoid detection. A near-miraculous escape... Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes, a scene from the debut episode of Planet Earth 2, which aired this past Saturday on BBC Earth, which we all get on free preview right now. That's a new channel? Guess so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it I, just started last month. It wasn't in month. my favorites. I had to go hunting around for it. And I was like, oh, I do have it. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it just started last month. And the free preview lasts for three months, I believe. And Planet Earth 2 is six episodes. So we're all going to get to watch Planet Earth. We should be going for that. All right. Yeah, which we, we should all get to watch Planet Earth 2. So let's 
dumb on their part for not just making it a three-week thing and forcing us all to buy it so we can watch the rest kind of the Kind of, yeah. Don't you, it's weird, isn't it? It is a little bizarre. Also weird is the fact that last week I did that segment where I previewed five high-profile shows. Yep. Completely forgot about this. <laughs> I knew this was coming, but I forgot about it until it was basically on TV. A friend of mine sent me a text saying, Hey, did you remember to set your PVR for Planet Earth 2? Luckily, I have no life, so I wasn't out on Saturday night. There you go. But, wow, I'm really glad I don't have a life, because holy crap, <laughs> this was good. It was good. You forget how amazing the work that they put into to get the shots that they get. Mm -hmm. It just it blows your mind. It took them, I think, three and a half years to do this. Yeah. And uh, I never watched the first Planet Earth, so... Oh, really? So, I mean, despite the fact that it was a revolution in documentary filmmaking, because it was HD, and I remember remember you giving it a glowing review. Yep. Uh, I did see one episode, but I never completed it, so... Having not seen that, I think... I don't know if it amplified my experience, because it was so incredible. Right. I think they actually... It's been a while since I've watched the first one. I would expect this one would be... Even more spectacular, just that the technology will be that much better over 10 years. And, you know, they'll have a little bit more experience in going after some of this stuff and how to do it. So Yeah, I mean, it's just that they get you in so close. It was so overwhelming to see all this beauty on display. Yeah, it's, it's majestic what is out there. And the patience. It's the patience, really, that makes this show that will, they're willing to just sit there for weeks with the camera rolling until whatever they're trying to get walks in front of the lens. Hopefully it you were able sing. to see as well the making of yeah. episode because that, I know that they re-ran the, the main episode a few times, but I think they only ran that ma making of episode once. Oh, really? And so, so otherwise you'll have to wait until you do get a DVD or something of it later. That's right. It, it also incredible just to see what they go through. Really inspiring stuff. Uh, lovely score from Hans Zimmer as well. And then the great narration from Sir David Attenborough. So all in, it's a winner. Uh, let's uh, move on now to what's coming out on home video this coming week. We'll start with one of the Oscar contenders. My name is Chiron. People call me little. What's it? You gonna raise my son now? You gonna raise him? At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. Who is you, Chiron? I'm me. Yeah. I ain't trying to be nothing else. Moonlight. Moonlight. It is uh, one of the nine Best Picture nominees. For my money, it is the best one. And it comes out on Digital HD on February 28th. It also comes out on DVD and Blu-ray, along with Doctor Strange. That was one of your favorites last year, right? I think Moonlight's already out on Digital HD. Yes, it is. I can. I that that came out on digital HD really? this past well, week. The stupid list I looked up said February twenty eighth. Yeah, I was look because I was looking at uh, Google Play the other day. Well, it comes out on hard copy on Tuesday then, so there's that. Yeah, that's right because it was it was this weird stagger where it was available on digital HD like a couple uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then I think on demand. That's what it is. It was available on digital HD two weeks ago, and then on demand a week ago. And then Blu-ray HD or DVD after that, which is weird because usually the on-demand and Blu-ray dates yeah, match. Yeah, that's nuts. Sorry. Right. Sorry to <laughs> do <laughs> no, that. No, that's <laughs> fine. At any rate, by this Tuesday, you should be able to find Moonlight somewhere. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange um, comes out on Blu-ray and DVD as well on Tuesday, as does Allied. That was that one with uh, Brad Pitt, that World War II deal that didn't actually get any traction, did it? No. Nope. Never heard nothing about it. No, you're and right. Fuller House Season 1, Yuck. which is a Netflix show, and it'll always be on Netflix, so I don't know why you'd want to buy that. But also on Netflix on March 1st, which would be next Wednesday or Thursday, Ice Age Collision Course, Independence Day Resurgent, X-Men Apocalypse, Get Hard, a few new movies, as well as Madman, which is actually on something Netflix calls Last Call, which means it's leaving Netflix on Wednesday, March 1st. So if you're currently watching Madman and you're, you know, on season three, episode five, you got until Wednesday to finish the series before it just disappears off your Netflix for you. And who knows when it'll come back. I actually, there's a few series that have been on this Netflix and then disappeared that I've been waiting to come back and they haven't come back. So I don't know if it'll never come back or it certainly won't be for some time if it does. Also, uh, on the last call, something called The Longest Ride, which I think was a movie. The Judge, starring Robert De Niro and uh, Robert Duvall. And Call the Midwife, seasons one through three. Those are all gone as of March 1st. Boom. Up next, I'm going to tell you why I made the painful decision to cut loose seven television shows. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad, he's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. And Jeffrey, I made a difficult decision recently. Oh, what's that? I stopped watching seven of the shows I watched. Seven? Well, and here's, and most people might- So that works out to what? Three and a half percent of the shows you watch? Yeah, pretty much. Seven <laughs> shows would generally, I think, add up to all of the shows that a normal person would watch. Yeah. But uh, what did I end up coming up with? 65 shows last year? Something like that. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. At the end of 2015, and uh, talked about how over the course of the year, I watched some 61 shows or so. So I pledged to watch less TV and go to more movies. Well, in 2016, I did the opposite, (laughs) seeing fewer movies than in any year that we've been doing this show. Same here. And instead watched more television, 65 shows in 2016. So I have a hard time letting go of things. Once I start, I have this need to see it through, even yeah. if it's not all that great anymore. Yep. The golden idol that got the boulder rolling on this for me was that show that I told you about a few weeks ago, which is available on Netflix, Trapped. That's the murder mystery from Iceland. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I really like listening to that language. It's so, it's lyrical. I love it. But you know what? On that subject, I was not happy with my segment Untrapped a few weeks ago. So just indulge me for a moment as I once again extol the virtues of that show. It's set in a small town in Iceland, in a fjord, surrounded by water and mountains. A fishing boat reels in a body with no limbs, no head. This happens just as a big ferry is coming in from Denmark, and just as a massive winter storm is rolling in. It's one of the most beautiful shows I have ever seen, with these icy mountains encasing this tiny town. It showcases winter's beauty and fury, It has an amazing musical score, it's wonderfully acted, well-written, totally thrilling, and a genuine mystery, along with some great family drama and trauma. There's tragedy and hope, 
And it's, like I said, super fun listening to them speak their language. It's whimsical. And I found myself kind of sad whenever they switched to English. Uh, anyway, if I were to rank my top 10 TV shows of all time, all time, Trapped, I think, might be in it. Really? Yeah. Wow. One season, 10 episodes. Watch it. Second season coming next year, I believe. Maybe that's a discussion for us to do sometime soon. Just that random, our top 10 TV shows of all time. It's number three on the notes page on my phone here. boy. Watch Trapped. You can also bookmark it. In right the, underneath in my grocery list. <laughs> <laughs> block of cheddar cheese. <laughs> so I'm watching this show trapped and when it is finished, I says to myself, wow, that was so good and fulfilling. And that is what made me finally yeah. make a change here because I've always loved television for both the quality shows and the mindless entertainment. I like mindless entertainment. I tend to, that's why we joke every year, you tend to go to the Oscar movies and I tend to go to the big blow up <laughs> movies with giant robots. I like mindless entertainment, but in this age of 400 plus scripted shows to choose from, never mind shows from abroad, yep. like Trapped, right. there's so much good content, good content out there. Earlier this year, I told you about how I watched The Fall on Netflix. That's an Irish crime drama about a serial killer starring Gillian Anderson. And Jamie Dornan from Fifty Shades, he's really good in The Fall. And the, it was excellent, and now Trapped, which was even better. So I looked at my lineup of shows that I'm watching, and I just I had to make some difficult cuts. I've been telling myself for years, you got to stop watching so much TV. And I would say, not just difficult cuts, painful because it feels like I'm like I'm saying goodbye to old friends. Like it I'm does. just cutting the friendship. I know, eh? You're out. We're not <laughs> friends anymore. It hurts. So the seven shows I removed. All right. Starting with The Blacklist. What list? The list I've been cultivating for over 20 years. I'm talking about the criminals who matter. The ones you can't find because you don't even know they exist. Let's call it The Blacklist. That sounds exciting. James Spader is amazing. And he had been previously on Boston Legal, which I loved. Right. But four seasons into the blacklist, they're still teasing us with whether or not Raymond Reddington, that's his character, is Elizabeth Keene's father. I mean, come on, enough already. That that should have that mystery should have been solved within the first season. I don't care anymore. I just don't care. The second show is timeless. Everybody get down on the ground. This guy went back in time to rewrite history, and we have to stop him. May 6, 1937. That's the Hindenburg. It's gonna blow! A majestic airship lands. That's not supposed to happen, right? Who are you? Well, we're, we're actually... This is Dr. Dre. I'm Nurse Jackie. We're from General Hospital. It's actually a really entertaining show with uh, likable characters, and it's a neat trip through history. For example, before Hidden Figures told mm -hmm. the story of those black NASA math nerd women. Right. That uh, you you really like that movie, Yeah, right? it's a great movie. Yeah, so Timeless told me that story, but it's only a half season in, and while I like it, I don't love it, and it doesn't. It ends up piling up. I end up having to watch three, four episodes at a time. And you don't enjoy it. It feels like a chore. Cut. Kind of. That's pretty much what it was. Up next, Gotham. However dark and scary the world might be right now, there will be light. There will be light. Brooks. Three seasons in, the Gotham police precinct that Jim Gordon works out of is still the easiest building for a criminal to walk into and shoot a bunch of police officers. <laughs> this happens regularly on this show. <laughs> and the Penguin is the mayor? It's lunacy. 
it's a fun show, but I just, I can't do it anymore. It's just so stupid. The Arrowverse. I cut the whole Arrowverse. Wow. Starting with Arrow. My name is Oliver Queen. I had to become the Green Arrow. The Flash. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. I am the Flash. Supergirl. I am Supergirl. And DC's Legends of Tomorrow. In the future, my friends may not be heroes, but if we succeed, they will be remembered as legends. So, Jeff, I'm a little late to the party on getting rid of those shows. You made this decision last, last summer. Year? Last summer, yeah. So it's this past this past fall when this current season they're on started, I was just like, nope, I'm out. I, I sort of enjoyed it. I did find that it was getting to be a chore. And with the crossovers and everything, you had to sort of keep them in order. So when you had a bunch of them backed up, you're, there was all this cross-referencing on the internet I was doing to try and figure out, well, when do I have to watch this one? And can I watch <laughs> can I watch this flash before I've seen that arrow and all that kind of thing? And, and, it, was, and it was getting so just complicated and confusing and not in a good way. It's just, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they had all these storylines piling up on each top of each other, all these twists and turns and stuff for the sake of entertainment. And it was just, yeah, my head was swimming and I was just like, you know what? This is not worth the effort at all. (laughs) Goodbye. And it saves me four hours a week. I know. I mean, these shows are all comfortable shows for me. They've, they follow the same formula. They have decent action, great visual effects, but none of them give me any fulfillment. They are all essentially just throwaway hours of TV. Arrows on season five doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. And Oliver Queen still carries the weight of the world on his shoulders to the point of like he should be locked up because he's he's got a complex. Supergirl has just too much melodrama, especially now that it's on the CW instead of CBS. Legends of Tomorrow doesn't really do a good job of following the rules of time travel. The show is supposed to be protecting. So, I mean, it's fun, but it's stupid. And The Flash, the first season was so much fun because The Flash was fun. Barry Allen was the happy-go-lucky counterpart to broody, gloomy Oliver Queen. Well, now... Barry Allen blames himself for everything, just like Oliver Queen, but he's whiny about it. At least the Green Arrow acts like an air, like a Green Arrow badass, but right. the Flash is a crybaby. And oh, and uh, there's uh, Speed God who looks like Megatron from the Transformers movies. I just. I let them all go. I did see something on the internet that looked like they had like a Grodd episode. Yeah, there's like a Gorilla City. Yeah, and I was like, well, I wish I would watch that. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that was cool. Like, don't get me wrong, they're fun shows, but and I miss them. I hate starting a TV show, watching multiple seasons, and then walking away. I rarely do it. Never mind for seven shows all at once. And again, to clarify, I don't think any of these seven shows are bad. I know I said they're stupid, but look, if you watch them. Carry on and enjoy them. I just simply stopped enjoying most of them, and I think that's where I should clarify. They're not bad. I just, they stopped working for me. They stopped doing it for me. I had a couple like that myself. Modern Family, I gave up on after three weeks this year. Really? Yeah, it was three weeks into the season, and the third episode finished, and I thought to myself, you know what? Haven't laughed once in three episodes. Why am I still watching this? It's a comedy and it's not making me laugh. I'm not watching it anymore. Good for I'm. It's maybe I'll be in the same boat because I have ten episodes piled up. My usual sitcoms piling up for the summer, uh, and I, I I have to remember why I'm making these cuts to leave more room to do other things in my life, like go to the movies <laughs> or I don't know, read a book or maybe try to go out with a woman. <laughs> Talk to a girlfriend. It'll be good for you. But most importantly. 
most importantly, even more importantly than dating a woman, it's to free up more room to watch good television shows that leave me fulfilled. I mean, it's been a great time for that. One of my favorites from 2016, Vikings, which is co-produced, by the way, by Chorus Entertainment, turned in its best episodes yet as it wrapped up season four. Also, three of my top ten from 2016 have returned in recent weeks. Colony, The Expanse, and The Magicians. CTV, airing an excellent Canadian-made crime drama miniseries, Cardinal, season finale, by the way, this upcoming Wednesday. It's only six episodes. You can catch up on demand or on CTV's website. Another one of my top ten from 2016, Better Call Saul, debuts in April. And, of course, as we mentioned earlier, the arrival of Planet Earth 2, so amazing, and it has me wanting to watch the original series. And maybe I should, you know, watch an Oscar movie. Yeah. Which you're going to tell us all about <laughs> in a moment. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Jeff Braun. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And we're going to talk about the Oscars now. The nominees are... Arrival. Now that's a proper introduction. Fences. What you ever give me? Your feet. Them bones that... Hacksaw Ridge. Please, Lord. Help me get one more. Hell or high water. Little brother, let's go get that money. Good morning, folks. Open the drawers. Hidden figures. Within these walls, who makes the rules? You, sir, you are the boss. You just have to act like one, sir. La La Land. It's pretty strange that we keep running into each other. Maybe it means something. I doubt it. Lion, where are you from? Calcutta. Which part? I'm adopted. Moonlight. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you're gonna be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. Manchester by the sea. My heart was broken, and I know yours is broken too. No, you don't understand. There's nothing there. That's not true. So I ended up seeing eight of the nine nominees for Best Picture, everything except Hacksaw Ridge. And you know what? They're all good. In fact, I would say that except for Fences, they're all great. Oh, that's right. You bored a Blu-ray for Arrival. Arrival. Arrival was good. It was really good. I should get my hands on that. Better than you would think for like a sci-fi kind of movie. Great. Yeah, you'll love it. Uh, Moonlight, though, is the best of the bunch, but I'm not getting my hopes up too high that it's going to go home with the big one. I do think it is pretty much a lock for Mahershala Ali in the Best Supporting Actor category. He has won a ton of hardware already and is so deeply felt throughout that film that it's really the must-win of the night, I would say. If Mahershala Ali loses, the scream you hear in the distance will be me yelling at my TV. The other award I think Moonlight will win is Best Adapted Screenplay. The movie is based on a play, which makes sense when you think of it afterwards, but it is so cinematic that you don't notice it during the film, unlike, say, Fences, which may have well just been done on stage in front of a stationary camera. So, two awards for Moonlight, uh, that's my prediction. Manchester by the Sea is the other movie I thought was top tier of the bunch. Um, I think it will take the other writing award, the original screenplay award, that will go to director Kenneth Lonergan. So, I think there's some justice for him and Moonlight director Barry Jenkins in winning the two writing awards since they're not likely to win directing awards. And that sort of thing happens all the time is at the Oscars, you know, the Coens, Tarantino, Woody Allen, A-list directors winning writing Oscars, the years they don't win directing Oscars. So the writing awards, I think they usually go to the actual best movies. I think Casey Affleck will win Best Actor, which would give Manchester by the Sea two awards. But while Affleck has won a lot of awards for the role this year, he did lose the SAG Award to Denzel Washington, and that's a major award, the Screen Actors Guild, because actors make up the biggest percentage of voters for the Oscars. So that Best Actor Oscar, I would say, is considered a close race between the two at this point. Best Actress, I will presume, goes to Emma Stone in La La Land. She's great in the movie, even though it's 
Not like a gut-wrenching role or anything. But Meryl Streep and Natalie Portman have already won Oscars. Isabelle Huppert has won awards and is apparently very good in the movie L. but I'm still betting on Stone. And Viola Davis should be a lock for Best Supporting Actress by being by far the very best thing in Fences. She absolutely kills one of the best scenes of any of these movies. Um, and that's the gut-wrenching role that Oscar lives for, so look for Viola Davis to pick up that Oscar. Overall, voting with my head, not my heart, I will pick La La Land to win 10 of its 14 nominations, including Best Director for Damien Chazelle and Best Picture. I would put it in the middle of the pack of the nominees, but there's no denying it. Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood, so there you go. I also think they're, you know, eager to reward something bright, colorful, and exuberant, given the dark days we live in, Brett. On the other hand, though, if there is a backlash against La La Land, I would say look for Hidden Figures to play the spoiler. It's a popular crowd pleaser, the sort of inspirational story that could get a lot of votes, and it did win the SAG Award for Best Picture, and also so, you know, given the political climate, it might not hurt that it's a movie about minorities fighting for their piece of a society that's trying to marginalize them. So I w- would put the money on La La Land, but I would also not be surprised if Hidden Figures steals it. That's interesting. Yeah. A, a really interesting dark horse. I would have thought if not La La Land, then uh, Moonlight would would be the winner. That's so. the one I'm cheering for. But mm-hmm. last year, we remember when everyone thought The Revenant would win and then Spotlight, the one I was cheering for, won? Yes. That doesn't happen to me two years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That was a shocker. Spotlight was a real shocker. Yeah. Uh, but it was well-deserving, I thought. But uh, who knows? I... Moonlight did win the best picture at the Golden Globes in terms of the drama. Yeah. Right? So La La Land was best musical comedy. Right. So it's tough. Um, and interesting that you point out the the backlash because that happens almost every year. There's a front runner in the fall. Yep. And then over the course of the winter, people kind of get tired of hearing about that. And then another movie starts to enter the race. Yeah. You don't want it to like, you don't, if you're the movie, you don't want to be peaking in November. Correct. Because by the time we get to mid-February... Like you said, everyone's sick of it. That's right. So when we have seen that in recent years where movies just kind of fall off the map. Yeah. So interest, great predictions, Jeff. I'm curious to see how you will do. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Jeff Braun. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. This is 680 CJOB.